We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. The Chicago Bulls select Kobe White. Levine with the runway! Welcome to Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast. We're part of the Blue Wire Network. I'm Ricky O'Donnell. As always, I'm here with Jason Pat. Uh, Jason, really quiet time in the NBA right now. Like absolutely nothing at all is happening. Just kidding. The last 48 hours of the league have been complete madness. We wake up this morning. We see Kemba Walker has been traded uh, to the Oklahoma City Thunder for Al Horford. The Celtics sending a first-round pick, number 16 overall, to the Thunder in that deal. Uh, just The league is just totally on fire right now, Jason. I feel like the playoffs have been really fun and competitive, despite the fact that there are so many injuries around the league. Uh there's just, just stuff happening every day. So, Jason, can you wrap your head around the state of the NBA these days? <laughs> Not really. And uh, it's kind of crazy. There's, like, nothing going on with the Bulls. Like, it's been kind of nice to just, like, have other drama taking over. Like, if, if, if in the last one, you mentioned the, what, the Kemba trade this morning. We had all the stuff with the Mavericks, which has been insane. Uh, what else? Like I said, Rick Carlo is gone. There's the Luka drama and the, the Harold LeBob drama and whatever. Uh, who else got? Did someone else get fired? I'm like, I can't even like wrap my head around all. Van this. Gundy got fired. Van, oh, yeah, Van Gundy got, got fired. Brooks fired. That's right. Scott Brooks got didn't get his new contract. Whatever. Either way, he's gone. So yeah, bunch of big coaching changes. The games we have a game seven with Bucks Nets. We've had the Sixers absolutely epic collapses in two games in a row. And we're going to talk a bit more about Sixers stuff and relating that to some Bulls and some stuff I was kicking around. I know people have been talking about with Ben Simmons. Uh, and all that kind of stuff. But, yeah, it has just been absolutely wild. The Kemba trade this morning, we've talked about Kemba and the Bulls, like if that was a possible option. I guess that's still not off the table because you figure the Thunder are probably going to try to flip him. Like, Presti working some more magic, getting another first-round pick. They have something like 30-some total picks over the next six, seven years or whatever, and they get another first for Horford. And they they got for a first with Horford last offseason. Now they're getting another one and trading him away getting Kemba. Uh, so yeah, just an absolute, just wild time in the NBA. Absolutely crazy. Uh, I mean, with the, with the, I guess the Kemba situation, since we were talking about that right now, like 
What, what do you think the, the Thunder will do? Do you think they'll try to trade him like immediately? Do you think they'll try to get him to build up his value, maybe flip him the deadline? What do you think is going to happen there? For sure, yeah. So let's just talk about that trade for a second. My initial reaction is that that's a home run. The Thunder were just like transparently taking, obviously. Uh, getting the 16th pick to take two years of Horford versus or two years of Kemba versus one year of Horford, I think is just such a good move for the Thunder. I don't really get it from the Celtics perspective. Uh, I feel like, you know, a couple weeks ago we were doing this thing where everyone uh, had convinced themselves that Robert Williams was going to be a long-term piece for the Celtics. Well, now Horford's coming back. You also get Moses Brown in that deal, who's a pretty intriguing young player. I guess the flip side is the Celtics have spent a lot of first-round picks, mid mid to late first-round picks, over the last few years on guys like Aaron Neesmith, Romeo Langford, Peyton Pritchard, uh, Grant Williams, and they just don't have a ton of, I guess, roster space for those guys. But I really don't like this move for the Celtics as their first big move of the Brad Stevens era as GM. It just seems like you're pissing away a draft pick. And uh, they still have a huge need at point guard. And I'm not totally sure how much Horford does to help them. Now, I guess his contract does expire one year sooner. They're thinking that maybe, you know, they need a big-time roster shakeup. So I could see the Celtics maybe flipping Horford at the deadline. Maybe they just try to get some cap space and make a move in a year or two. They also need to re-sign Evan Fournier. They have luxury tax concerns. All that stuff I don't really want to think about the financial implications from an ownership perspective, but just from a basketball perspective, I think that this trade still, like, it doesn't really fix any of the Celtics' problems to me. So, uh, you know, good job by the Thunder, I think. Uh, I've been seeing a lot of people tweeting like, oh, when are the Thunder going to actually build a competitive basketball team? Well, here's the thing. The Thunder were the five seed in the bubble two years ago. So they're one year into their rebuild. People are acting like the Thunder have been tanking transparently for 10 years. That isn't the case. They're rebuilding right now. They're one year into it. you got to figure most rebuilds are three years. So, you know, project ahead three years from now, the Thunder are probably going to have a totally sick team. They're... Draft pick, their own draft pick this year is likely to fall in the top four, and the top four of this draft is totally awesome. They also get the Rockets pick if it falls to five, which I think there's like uh, maybe like a you know 25% chance or something that that happens. And now you got 16 and 18. So with those mid-round picks, they can just swing for the fences on guys like Kai Jones out of Texas, Josh Giddy from Australia, Jaden Springer from Tennessee. You could go for some like high upside gambles on guys who might not be ready to contribute right away. Zaire Williams from Stanford is another name that's popping into my head. You can just take gambles and go for high upside guys with those picks. So, dude, I have no doubt the Thunder are going to be totally awesome in a couple of years. Uh, I guess the bigger concern for them is that Shea Gilgis-Alexander is ready right now to compete deep in the NBA playoffs. So how does Shea feel about the team just basically burning last year, probably burning next year? Well, the Thunder are about to probably give him $150 million or whatever <laughs> max extension costs these days. So that'll make him feel a little bit better. And mostly it's going to come down to lottery luck, right? right. If the Thunder land Cade or land... Uh, Evan Mobley, first or second pick. And really, I think the top four of this draft is all really good. I'm in on Suggs. I'm in on Jalen Green. Five is where it totally drops off, but the top four is awesome. Uh, So depending on some lottery luck, 
Dude, I feel like we're going to be looking at a very similar situation to the one the Thunder had a few years ago. Maybe they won't get players on the level of Durant, Harden, and Westbrook. Obviously, each of those guys won MVP. Uh, Harden and Durant in particular are two of the five best players of this generation, I would say. So you can't really expect them to replicate that, but I think they're going to have a really awesome team. I think Shea is already an absolute fucking killer. And yeah, I mean, as Chris mentioned in the chat, his dream trade target, I would kill for Shea. I mean, if you had to decide between the first pick in this draft and Shea Gilgis-Alexander, I would be, as much as I love Cade, I would be really tempted to take Shea. Shea is that good, I think. Yeah, I mean, he's he's 22 still only. And if you look at his numbers, I would think we talked about this in our last pod. Like, his numbers are way better than, like, you even realize. I know the Thunder weren't were bad this year. They were tanking. But they were, like, they were decently competitive the first half of the year before they were blatantly, transparently tanking. Uh, I mean, he put up 50, he was 24 points a game, 6 assists, 5 rebounds, 51% shooting, 42% from 3 almost. like Because I feel like the, the jump shot was like the big question with him coming into the league. And, I mean, he shot almost 42% on like 5 attempts per game. So, like, some solid volume there. So, super efficient. Uh, he's obviously long, 6'6". Six, six. Again, 22 years old only. So, like, even though, like, he's ready to win now, like, he's still super young. Obviously, you do worry about, I mean, guys, and, and we've seen this with the the Zion and Lucas stuff and how they're, like, supposedly upset now. Guys on their early, con- like, rookie contracts already, like, putting pressure on their teams to make moves. Like, I have no idea if, like, Shea has that kind of cachet yet. But, like, he is really good. And there, there definitely will be a point where, like, uh, if he's awesome but the rest of the team sucks, well, they probably will have to cash in some of these chips. But they probably don't have to worry about that just yet with him. But he is really damn good. And, I mean, and that would solve the so many problems for the Bulls because we talk about how much they need a point guard. But, I mean, I cannot imagine what they, that they would even think about trading. You're not getting point, right? Jake Alexander, you know. Like, he's basically untouchable. Yeah. He's on the level, honestly, of, like, Trey Young, I think, or John Morant. Or, you know, you could argue that potentially he – He's better than those guys. Trey has been so awesome in the playoffs. Trey's really answered a lot of his questions, I think, during this postseason round. Trey has been phenomenal. And, man, is it painful that the Bulls, you know, burned all these seasons, three seasons post-Jimmy Butler trade, not trying to win, and they still couldn't come away with a a franchise changer like Trey Young or like Shea Gilgis-Alexander. So, yeah, you're not getting Shea. I totally agree with Chris in the comments that – that would be a super sick move, and I agree with you, Jason, that that would solve a lot of the Bulls' problems. He'd be a perfect fit next to Levine long-term in the backcourt, no doubt, but you're not getting him. He's no. awesome. He's a, basically an untouchable piece. Uh, so they could have, The Bulls could have drafted him. He went, what, 10th, 11th? Yeah, he went, yeah, he went 11th or 12th or something like that, uh, but it was the same draft as Wendell. I liked the Wendell pick at the time. Whoops, not a great trade. Not a great pick for the Bulls. Uh so yeah, we got that going on. Uh, is there anything- more, more? We got some more breaking news here, real quick. The de- the Mavs just hired Dirk Nowitzki as their, a special advisor, who's going to help uh, with move the team through this chaos that they're a part of. I mentioned it earlier with this. I mean, the whole week in Dallas has been absolutely nuts. We had the athletic report that came out uh, about the shadow GM. Uh, I'm not sure how to say his name. Greek dude, Herolavos Vulgaris, whatever his name is. Known as Herolabob at NBA Twitter. Uh, Taking, like, getting a ton of power. He's basically Mark Cuban's right-hand man was the report. And that there's concern about Luka and his long-term future. He he doesn't like this dude. And that uh, just other issues within the organization. Just a lot of dysfunction there. Mark Cuban's a goofball, whatever. But, uh... 
so Donnie Nelson, president, has gone. And then Carlisle drops the bomb yesterday that he's gone. So now it looks like we had a little cleanup going on with, them, with Cuban bringing Dirk back as a special advisor. They need to hire a new top exec. I'm, like, really curious, like, because it seems like Cuban is ultimately where, like, where it goes. Like, he's the guy that ultimately makes the big decisions. Will Cuban be willing to take a step back if they're looking to hire somebody who, like, wants a lot of power? Like, just the whole power dynamic there seems super fucked up. So, like, it'll be really interesting to see who who they're going to look at there to run basketball ops and then, like, who they're going to uh, to be the next coach there. Like, what do you make of that whole thing? Like, I've, I, don't, you know, I don't think they have to worry about Luca. Now he's going to sign that super max, which is over $200 million, but clearly there is some pressure out there through these, whatever, through these reports and all this stuff that like, they need to start, they need to make this team better. They need to fix their front office problems. Otherwise, maybe three years down the road, maybe Lucas starts looking somewhere else. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's a similar situation to what was reported with Zion yesterday too, where uh, there was an athletic report that Zion isn't super happy in new Orleans or his family isn't happy. So it's almost an instance of like when you get a guy who's that young, you sort of want to wait a couple of years, continue building through the draft and sort of level up around the time where, you know, they're on the last year of their rookie contract. So you could, you know, have some cap flexibility to sign someone. Uh, but those guys are so good so quickly that it's like it puts a unique pressure on the organization to be good right away. So with Luca, I mean, people are going to have a little bit of a tendency to blame Luca for some of the Mavs problems. And certainly like Luca has the ball for what seems like 95% of the game. Uh, Luca is by no means flawless, but the rest of that roster is super suspect. And I think, you know, if you're the Mavs, they've basically had the exact same roster for two seasons, right? Like since they acquired Porzingis, since like, you know, 2019, they've had the exact same roster. So the Mavs need to make some serious moves. It's hard to view the team is like they're going to be in a better place when you let go of uh, Rick Carlisle, who's one of the best coaches in the league, has been for, you know, two decades at least at this point. Uh, And clearly the Mavs just have a ton of, let's say, culture issues inside of uh, the organization. (laughs) Yeah, they never really answered for the harassment uh, issues. And, you know, Cuban just kind of seems like he wants to keep everything moving, but... Uh, that they have a lot of problems. It's not all Porzingis's fault. It isn't all, uh, you know, but you you pin their issues on a lot of other on a lot of places. But they need a big time roster shakeup. Uh, I'm super interested to see what they do with the next head coach. And yeah, like when you have a young guy like Luca or a young guy like Zion, I think Luca is probably happier in his situation than Zion is. I think Zion never wanted to be in New Orleans, and it's. Really a shame that, like, he's going to have to be there for minimum five years and probably, like, seven years, just like Anthony Davis, before he can force his way out the same way Chris Paul did and the same way Anthony Davis did. So, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a fascinating situation. I wish the Bulls had this problem, right? I wish they had a young guy who was so good that he could put pressure on the team to compete right away. Levine sort of did that, in a way, just by getting really good last season, but... Uh, yeah, it's like it's going to be really, really interesting to see what happens in both Dallas and New Orleans over the next couple of years. Yeah, absolutely. So you talk about the Bulls upgrading the roster. I kind of hinted at this earlier, and you brought up Trey Young and all that stuff. Let's let's go to that series, the Hawks Sixers series, which has been absolutely wild. The the Hawks won, stole Game One. Sixers dominate the next two games. 
dom- start dominating game four. It looks like this series is going to be over in five. They choke away game four, and then they dominate game five and choke away that one as well. And obviously, there's been a ton of talk around Ben Simmons, his terrible free throw shooting, his uh, just completely going to a... Uh, uh, or disappearing, going invisible, basically, in fourth quarters. I think the last two games, no shot attempts in the fourth quarter. We get hack of Ben Simmons going on all the time. Uh, Doc Rivers uh, benching him at multiple points and basically saying it is what it is when he misses these free throws. So obviously, if the Sixers lose this series, which, I mean, basically a toss at this point. Like, it wouldn't surprise me if the Sixers came back and won the next two games easily, but, like, the way that they folded in these fourth quarters with Embiid hurt, he's kind of just, he starts strong and then peters out. With Simmons doing whatever the hell, no one knows what he's doing. Harris had been good until last game, but he was bad last game. If they lose this series, you have to think Daryl Morey is not going to stand for that. And, like, we've obviously had the rumors breaking up Simmons and Embiid for a long time. They're not going to trade Joel Embiid. This is not happening. So if Ben Simmons is actually on the block, if the Sixers do lose this series, if they lose the next series, even, even if Morey just wants to change things up, I mean, I people have talked about should the Bulls go after him. And, I mean, it's a really – it was funny. It was the other night after this game happened. Like, I was talking shit, making jokes about Ben Simmons, how much he sucks. And then I turn around and be like, whoa, like, you know what? I would, I would actually think about the Bulls trading for him because the Bulls need talent. They need a, a primary distributor. We know he can't shoot for crap. We know he's scared about, scared about shooting. He's, these free, this free throw stuff is weird. But, like, Ben Simmons would make the Bulls a lot better. So, Ricky, would you want – I'm just like, first of all, would you want Ben Simmons on the Bulls? Would you try to trade for him if he's available this offseason? Yeah, I would love to get Ben Simmons. I think he's an imperfect player, but really the Bulls need defense, especially next to Vucevic and Levine. And Simmons is obviously one of the best defensive players in the league. The Bulls need a table setter offensively. And Simmons, for all of his limitations, is still a really good distributor and facilitator. I think that the Bulls transition attack with Simmons and Levine would be awesome. But Let's be honest here, dude. They're not just going to give away Ben Simmons. Right, and, of course. You know, when you start talking about potential Ben Simmons trades, like even them getting back like CJ McCollum for Ben right. Simmons, that feels like a kind of a talent loss for Philadelphia on the surface. And the Bulls don't have anyone who's even close to his value. Yeah, big problem. And McCollum, unless you're going to trade Levine. And uh, I would not trade Levine for Simmons. Neither now, I could see people disagreeing with that. Uh, There is a pathway to building a pretty good team around Simmons of just surrounding him with shooting, letting him be the guy. But, like, even if you put Simmons in, like, a Giannis-like role, uh, the team ceiling is not going to be as high as the Bucs has been over the last few years. And obviously the Bucs still have a lot of problems. Uh, Yeah, I wouldn't trade Levine for Simmons. But if there was a way the Bulls could pair Simmons with Levine and Vucevic, it would be a slam dunk. Now, that's not going to happen because the Bulls don't have the draft capital to pull off a move like that. The Bulls don't really have any intriguing young prospects to pull off a move like that. And they don't even really have the salaries to match. Like, maybe you could do a marketing sign-in trade plus a Minu plus a couple things, yada, yada, yada. The Bulls just don't have the talent to pull off that move. Uh, and so, hypothetically, I would be in on Ben Simmons to the Bulls. There's no doubt. I think that would be... A uh, really interesting move, even if the roster still you you wouldn't be able to like look at that trio of Vucevic, Levine, and Simmons and be like, oh, the Bulls are going to the finals. But it would still wildly improve the talent base of the team, and I do think that Simmons is a pretty good fit because he could cover up for some of Levine and Vucevic's defensive deficiencies, and he would give you some additional playmaking. But it's just not realistic. 
Right. I think the issue is with the Sixers, if they're trading Simmons, they're going to want like a ready-made player back to like, because you're with Embiid still there, you're still trying to contend for a championship. Like, it was like my first thought was, well, like you put like Kobe and Pat and like draft picks on the table, but like Kobe and Pat like aren't ready to like win championships with Joel Embiid, which is the problem. So like, I mean, maybe you mentioned the Lowry thing, but like, that's why like that. Then you brought up the CJ thing. Like, I think that's really interesting. I think McCollum for Simmons is something that makes a lot of sense. I mean, I would. They could also if Dame actually wants to go out, Dame a Dame Simmons swap. Maybe something like that happens, but I think the McCollum thing makes a lot of sense because I'm guessing Dame staying, which we've talked about before. But if they do want to split up the McCollum uh, Dame duo, like I feel like that seems like the most obvious thing, maybe. Uh, so like that would be interesting. But yeah, when it comes to the Bulls, like the issue is just like not having ready-made players. They don't have that much draft capital left, uh, and that's just a problem with making. I mean, maybe you work in a third team. Uh, you could always maybe expand the trade to get the Sixers. Uh, maybe that ready-made star to help replace Simmons' talent. Uh, it's obviously that gets tough. I don't have like any ideas on that front, but maybe that's something that could happen. When you, you mentioned uh, like trading Levine for Simmons, which I think some people would just because Levine never won anything. But like, I do think the playoffs just the playoff stuff. I think is just what changes. We have we've never seen Zach, but like Zach's skill set is just something that's so valuable in the playoffs. Just the ability to get buckets in the half court is just so huge. And we we see Simmons as good as Simmons is. In general, and like as a regular season player, just we see the issue of him in the playoffs. When you're like that much of a liability offensively, sometimes like that could just be a huge killer. And Zach's ability to get buckets, if the Bulls ever actually get good and get to the playoffs, I think would be really big for them there. So like that's why I don't think I would make that kind of move. And that's why I think if you're gonna make that move, like you said, you do it to pair Simmons with Booch and with Zach. It just is definitely is kind of a hard, uh, it's hard to see a path to that happening. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, one thing I've been thinking about watching the playoffs, and I'm interested how you feel about this, Jason. There's always this idea in theoretical NBA team building of floor raiser versus ceiling raiser, right? Yeah. And Devin Booker was a guy who now Devin Booker's just killing it. Devin Booker looks awesome. But when Devin Booker was on a bad team, he was unable to drag a bad team to being average. Now the Suns, even without Devin Booker, probably have what would amount to an average team you add Devin Booker onto that and now the Suns are fucking awesome and they might go to the finals and they might win the championship you know all that's on the table so I kind of view Levine the same way where it's like Levine couldn't be a true floor raiser Levine was not able to drag terrible Bulls teams to mediocrity and because of that he caught a lot of flack 
But what if you could build a team that's already like average without Zach Levine? And then you add Levine on top of that. And I think Levine could make you just totally unguardable the same way Booker has been for uh, the Sun. So Levine may be a ceiling raiser. And we just haven't really had the opportunity to see that in the postseason yet because the Bulls haven't been able to get there. But, you know, when you, you know, you watch Booker, when you watch Donovan Mitchell, who's been amazing to a lesser extent, Trey, he's more of a, you know, lead facilitator, but similar idea. Uh, it really does just make you want to see Zach on the big stage. Zach deserves that, and he deserves it to the point where the Bulls need to get into a series they actually have a chance. Yep. Right? Like, not playing against a fully healthy Nets team in the first round. Like, that's yeah. not too much for you. He needs to actually have a puncher's chance. And, you know, as we've seen, it'll be interesting to see if the league stabilizes post-pandemic when the calendar gets normal, like, the last two years have just been, like, so abnormal because of the pandemic, the condensed schedule, all that. Uh, and I think that that, you know, is possibly part of the reason the playoffs seem more wide open this year than they do in normal years. Like, last year, you have the Heat-Cinderella run to the finals. Point is, just get in with a decent seed, give yourself a chance, and nothing should be off the table. Like, the Hawks are one win away from right. the Hawks. Yeah. That is super embarrassing for the Bulls because they started their rebuild at the same time. And the difference is that the Hawks got Trey Young, an ascendant superstar. The Bulls got Wendell Carter, who sucked and they traded him because he didn't <laughs> think himself was any good. Uh, and that's kind of, you know, where the Bulls are at. Like, they got to try to find another piece. Getting Simmons would be awesome because he would fit really nicely next to Vucevic and Levine. It's not going to be possible. Lonzo I like, but I don't think Lonzo, even if you could swing that move, I don't really think he's good enough to be your third star. I do think he's going to keep getting better because he's still a young guy. But, yeah, like this is sort of the crunch the Bulls are in. And prove it to me, AK. Like I'm I'm pretty optimistic on AK. I loved his midseason wheeling and dealing. Uh, I think he was a little bit desperate in the Vucevic trade. They gave up quite a bit to get him, but Vuce is really good. So that's still solid. Uh, let's see what the Bulls can do. Like, I kind of would have been in on the Bulls getting the 16th pick in Kemba, to be honest, because Kemba's deal lines up with Vooch's. So you still would have been, you know, have all this money coming off the books in 2023. By the way, that's when Jokic is a free agent. By the way, Karnashov has drafted him. Uh, and it would have been nice just to get another pick since you traded your pick. But now that's gone. I think, you know, the Celtics, Brad Stevens obviously wanted Horford back. Uh, so that was part of the motivating factor for doing that trade. But, yeah, Bulls are going to have to be creative like that. And taking on a bad salary might be one of their best ways to do it. Yeah, you did bring up Lonzo. And uh, Omar in here asked about if you would rather have Lonzo with – I don't know what, if they would have to do a sign-in trade there or if they actually use cap space. Uh, I don't think they'd give up have to give up any draft picks, or at least not a first-round pick, or trading up big packets for Simmons. Uh, that is kind of interesting, I guess. Uh, like – Simmons just has so many – Simmons is definitely the better player, like, in a vacuum than Lonzo. You do wonder, like, if the fit, like, in the, in the playoffs, what the fit would be like, if that would be better. Um, I don't know. That is Simmons is just such an interesting player with just such pronounced flaws that, like, I understand people who, like, don't want – like, I, when I brought it up on Twitter, like, I had people say, no, like, why would we want this guy, a point guard who can't shoot, like, uh, like, why do we want him? And, like, Lonzo has obviously improved his jump shot a lot. When he doesn't put much pressure on the rim, like his defense is not on Simmons' level, so like that one's kind of tough. Like I'm, I'm really not sure. 
Yeah, and once again, it's not really a realistic problem for the Bulls because the, yeah. the Bulls are not getting Ben Simmons. <laughs> yeah, that is true. Unless it's uh, like a wild three-team trade, but like the Bulls don't even have the draft capital to pull off something like that, you know? They traded two first-round picks for Vooch, and while I do love having Vooch on the team, I wonder, like, if the Bulls would have been trying to trade for Vooch this offseason, let's say the Magic kept him through the trade deadline, do you still think it's costing you two first-round picks when one of them's a top-ten pick? So we'll see. I mean, probably not. They also took back Aminu in that deal. Now, maybe Aminu will help the Bulls in terms of an expiring salary, swing a trade for someone else. But yeah, that's something interesting. And then, you know, we had a comment here from Shane about, would you be in for Kyle Lowry on a short-term high-money deal? Yeah, like I would be in for Lowry, I think. So if they could get Lowry for two years, $40 million, I'd be into that. I don't know if the Bulls, you know, if Lowry might get more money than that, certainly. And, uh, you know, again, like, you couldn't add Kyle Lowry to the team and be like, well, now the Bulls are going to win the championship. But it would... They'd be a lot better. They would They would be a lot better, right? It would fill a big need for the team. Lowry could play on or off the ball. Of course, he's still a solid defender, despite his size limitations, despite his age. So, yeah, I'd be in for Lowry. And I kind of think Lowry might be one of their better case scenarios if they're not taking on a bad contract. The thing is that you just want Lowry to expire after two years, right? So Imagine that you can with Vooch, open in 2023, align with Vooch, and then figure out the next step of the franchise. So, yeah, I would be in on that. Uh, but, of course, then they have to be a cap-space team, so that creates its own problems. A lot of things for Connor Chavez to figure out this offseason. Right, yeah. Because then, in that case, like if you're paying Lowry a lot of money... Uh, like again, unless you're doing a sign and trade, I mean, you might guys you have to renounce. There's obviously the Thad Sato Daniel Tice situations. Uh, wrote about a bit that that stuff at Forbes today, just about like the veterans and how who they're going to keep, who's going to go, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, so that'll definitely be interesting to see. So I guess which direction over the cap, under the cap. They try to work out sign and trades. There's the Lowry situation as well. So de- definitely all that. They have, you, we always talk about how they need to be creative, and they de- definitely do because we know they need to turn over the roster more. We know. They just have a lot of work to do. And a big theme, which we've even talked about here, I just to shout out a few other things I wrote at Bloggable recently, about the draft, about how them botching those getting stars, and then about Zach Levine as well and like not, not getting this playoff opportunity. To like get finally get Zach Levine in the playoffs, they need more talent. They need to turn the roster over more. Uh, they, they, just, they have a lot of work to do. So it'll definitely be interesting to see which way they go on that. I guess in terms of Zach as well, I guess we will have to end Booch as well uh, with the award stuff. Obviously, we knew the Bulls weren't going to be involved in really any NBA award stuff, but uh, they both did get a few. uh, Zach got one all-NBA vote. He got one third-team vote. Booch got two, I think, third-team votes. I can't remember exactly what it was, but they both got a couple all-NBA votes. Patrick Williams made uh, a a second-team all-rookie. Uh, with Zach not making, no one thought Zach was actually going to make an All NBA team. But since he did make an All NBA team, he is not eligible for a Supermaxes off season. Again, I don't think anyone expected that to happen. There's too many good guards, even as good of a season as he had. But that is somewhat notable when it comes to Zach's situation this off season and the extension thing. We know he's not going to sign the normal extension. Uh, and going back to like the the cap space stuff, if the Bulls operate as a under the cap team, they could look to give Zach a big extension using that cap space, but. I would guess that's probably not going to happen, given all the other stuff that we just talked about and the moves that they have to make. I would guess that they do not do that. Maybe maybe they do. I could be totally wrong. I don't know jack shit. But uh, and I think I also kind of think he just wants to hit unrestricted free agency and 
get a five, have a chance at a five year super max by maybe making all NBA next year. But uh, at least they got a few votes there. Good for them. They both had nice seasons, and hopefully they could bounce back and be much better after making some off season moves. Totally, yeah. And we have Patrick Williams make the second team yeah. rookie team uh, again. Like Zach actually, actually, Zach also was like fifth in most improved voting, which I think is legit. Zach took a legitimate leap this year. Whether he's able, able to keep up that. Uh, the efficiency will be something to watch. It, what, I know the offense exploded this year. We don't know if that was if that's going to just keep going that way. Obviously, with more teams shooting three pointers, the efficiency is just it has been going up. But whether like the no fans in the stands helped, we did see him kind of fall off when he got hurt in the second half. But if he's able to keep up that uh, keep up that kind of efficiency this year, where he's shooting fifty percent overall, forty percent from three, like that would be uh, awesome. And obviously totally worth paying him whatever the hell he wants and making him part of the long-term te- uh, future. But definitely deserving of, I think he was fifth. Julius Randle was first. I think like Christian Wood, I think was up there, but uh, yeah, Zach was obviously awesome this year. And oh, it's always good to give kudos to him. Yeah. And just as a note, Chris left this comment, are we going to do a green room during the lottery? Uh, not during the lottery, but after the lottery, I'm going to be busy for a little bit, but uh, yeah, I'm already pre-writing a mock draft, and let's just say I've written 2,000 words on the first 10 players. Uh, I'm doing it old-school style, taking out the tables, just writing big blurbs on every player. So uh, I'm going to have a mock draft right after the lottery is announced. Hopefully the Bulls are going to have one of those top four picks, but they've only got you know a 20% chance or whatever it is for that to happen, so I'm personally not counting on it. I will say that I went to Tankathon today. I did one simulation, and the Bulls came out with the third pick. And the third pick for the Bulls would be really awesome because you would either get Mobley or Suggs. Jalen Green I love too, but Jalen Green is sort of just like another Zach Levine. Zach, right, yeah. So I'm not sure if that would be a great fit for the Bulls. Uh but, yeah, dude, I mean, everything changes for the Bulls if they get to keep the pick this year. And maybe it'll happen. We'll see. Yeah, absolutely. And our next pod, I think we are planning on doing one more podcast before the lottery. We'll do a lottery preview and talk about all this good stuff then. So that'll be fun. And as uh, we just said, we will also do one of these locker rooms at, sometime after the lottery on Tuesday night. Not totally sure what time, but we'll definitely be on here to talk about, uh, hopefully, the Bulls getting a top four pick. So, so yeah. Um Anything else? We've obviously covered a lot here. Is there anything else, Ricky, on our mind? Uh, well, Jason, Sorry. Sorry. give Go me ahead. your NBA Finals pick and your NBA Champion pick right now. Oh yeah, I, I guess like we got a Bucks Nets Game Seven coming up. Uh, I'm gonna. Like, I think I said this last time. I'm gonna stick with my sons going to the finals out of the West, uh, especially with Kawhi hurt now. It does. Who knows when he's going to be back or if he'll be healthy. Uh, I guess I'll give a shout-out to Paul George for really showing up in that last game. We'll see if the Clippers can put the Jazz away tonight. I kind of think the Clippers are going to get through that series, even without Kawhi. But I don't know if they can beat the Suns without Kawhi or with a very hobbled Kawhi. So I got the Suns in the the West. The East, I mean, I got no idea right now. I'd almost lean... Maybe even the Bucks. Like I, I think it's hard to pick the, against the next set, the Nets at home. Uh, the Bucks have kind of folded in these in these road games. Uh, so like, I like want to pick the Buck. I want to pick Bucks Suns. Uh, I don't know if I can actually have the balls to do it, just because I feel like the Nets will somehow find a way to win, and I I just like can't trust the Bucks to win that to win that game seven, even though they probably should with the Nets just being so banged up. Uh, so I guess like. I guess I would still maybe stick with like Nets, Suns, and 
if by the finals, I would think the Nets might still win. I guess one other thing, the Nets don't might not have Chris Paul for the start of the Western Conference Finals, which I guess could throw a wrench into that because of COVID stuff. That's one of the things we missed here during this crazy week. So, like, I guess I would still probably lean towards the Nets, even though the Bucks probably should win Game 7. I just can't, they just don't have faith in them. Totally. Like, the Nets are only going to get more healthy, right? But yeah. the Bucks have got to get them. And they should have yeah. got Game five, KD the obviously. The series should be over. KD obviously has the historic game in game five. But the thing is that, like, last night, KD had 32 and 11, and it felt like he played a shitty game to yeah. me watching that game. KD has to be superhuman for them to have a chance because the Nets are getting nothing from the bench. They're getting nothing from, like, Joe Harris. But Harden's getting healthier. Harden was much better in game six than he was in game five. So I think, you know, if Harden can continue getting healthier, uh, that's just going to make the Nets scarier. You got to think that, you know, the rest of the league is praying for the Bucks here because, you know, the Nets are only going to get healthier. And this is the chance to knock the Nets out of the playoffs. I have no faith in the Bucks to do it. I think if the Bucks are going to win that game seven, they have to make sure the game is not closed in the last five minutes, right? Just like run the Nets off the fucking floor. Like we've seen the Bucks do so many times over the last couple of years. They've been winning games where, you know, Giannis doesn't even play the fourth quarter and finishes with, you know, 35 and 15 or whatever. So they need one of those type of games to win this game seven. Uh, Jazz Clippers, Another series where we could have a seventh game, I think, you know, also obviously Hawks, Sixers, we could have a game seven. So that's really fun. I got to say, I'm super bummed by the Kawhi injury. Yeah. Uh, This was just setting up for Kawhi to like, once again, assert himself as, you know, potentially the best player in the world. We've already seen him win two finals MVPs, LeBron out, Steph out. Uh, this was setting up for, for Kawhi to, you know, take over and to will his team to another unlikely championship. So we don't really know the extent of that injury yet. We're not sure if it's a full tear of the ACL, but man, what a bummer of an injury. Like all these injuries have been bad, but the Kawhi injury really bummed me out. Just given the stakes of this season and everything surrounding the Clippers, uh, I would love to see Paul George and the Jazz tonight. It was good to see John Stockton reveal himself as a huge piece of shit. Uh, in addition to Carl Malone being a permanent piece of shit. So, 90s Bulls funny. heroes for beating those those Jazz teams. It's sort of funny that just everyone hates the Jazz. And the Jazz fans are so sensitive about it, too. Uh, I've really enjoyed rooting against the Jazz in these playoffs. And you know when you're, when you're pro Clippers, the Jazz have really done something wrong. Because everyone loves to clown on the Clippers, too. But that'll be fun. Happy for Paul George for his performance. Uh, in the last game, I would love to see Paul George carry the Clips to another win. Maybe Kawhi gets healthy, joins him next series. We'll see, man. Uh, I've really enjoyed the playoffs this year, even though the injuries have been a huge bummer. Right, yeah. The injuries have like totally like just put put, put a huge damper on awesome, a ton of awesome games. All these second-round series have been great, besides the Suns-Nuggets one. Uh, but it was awesome to see the Suns kind of make just make their run here. So, like, good for them. Uh, so, yeah, hopefully no more injuries. Let's get these guys healthy. Hopefully Kawhi, even if he's out for whatever, these playoffs, which would suck. Uh, hopefully this isn't a thing where it's a tear, like a full tear, and he's out all of next year, too. Like, obviously, that would just be a killer for the Clippers. Uh, would that be throw a huge wrench into the offseason with Kawhi possibly being a free agent again? So, like... That'd be just crazy. Uh, yeah, it was like if it would, if Kawhi was healthy and we got whatever Kawhi versus KD, that that would be absolutely awesome. But uh, we will see. Definitely, uh, this weekend should be a lot of fun with these games, and we'll we'll see who advances. Um, I think we should probably wrap it up here. We've been going for a while. 
as always, thank you to all our listeners here. Thank you for the people in the comments. Always great to interact with you guys. Uh, lots of fun. Uh, shout out to the new with uh, Locker Room turning into the new Spotify Green Room. That's great. Big big moves for Locker Room to make this upgrade with the Spotify thing. I see our guy Will in here. Uh, congrats on all that stuff. This is awesome. Uh, for us here at Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast. Shout out to the Blue Wire Network. I know tons of other Blue Wire pods do stuff on here as well, so go check those out and just go check out all those pods with these playoffs going on. Uh, just tons of fun stuff, tons of great NBA content and other sports content all across the Blue Wire Network for us here at Cash. Uh, if you joined in late, if you want to catch this whole thing, this this should be up on our feed probably sometime later tonight, so go check that out. And as always, rate and review us wherever you listen to your podcasts. Give us those five-star ratings or let us know how we're doing. We're on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Google, all those good places wherever you get your, your pods. For me and Ricky, on Twitter, I'm at Bulls underscore J. And uh, Ricky is at, S- at SBN underscore Ricky. And, and once again, we will have a couple pods coming up in the next few days here. we got the lottery on Tuesday, so we'll have a preview pod coming up in the next couple days. And then we will do another another one on here in the green room on Tuesday night after the lottery. So hopefully the Bulls get lucky, and we'll talk to you guys in the next couple days and talk more lottery stuff. Have a good one, guys, and have a good weekend. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.